Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I am Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Breast Cancer Conversations. I am your host, Laura Carfang, and I am so excited to have you here on our live podcast recording. We had a live podcast recording where people tuned in via Zoom, Facebook, Instagram, and all of these great platforms for a live recording and behind the sneak peek of what goes on behind a podcast. The podcast lasted for probably a little over an hour and a half. So we broke it up into various sections. Today is part one, where we speak with our guest, Liz, who's going to dive into what it's like to be diagnosed with breast cancer, coming through all of the treatment, and working in the ICU during COVID. Welcome to the conversation. All right, drum roll. I feel like the elephant in the room is breast cancer and COVID. Can Can we just like switch gears quickly and talk about that. Um, I've, I, I know there's a lot of people on the call right now too, who've been diagnosed um, and are a couple years out from active treatment. And so when we were diagnosed with breast cancer, that was like, <gasps> like all consuming, mentally stressful, emotionally stressful, physically stressful. Um, and you're dealing with work, life, children, relationships, um, your own personal self-confidence. Like there's so many factors. Then I'm meeting people, especially with the work that we're doing at survivingbreastcancer.org, I'm meeting women now who are being diagnosed with breast cancer and all through the, you know, February, March, April, May currently are having treatments being postponed. Um, The order of operations in terms of how breast cancer is being treated has changed. I've spoken with women who don't start off with chemotherapy or even surgery, but are given an aromatase inhibitor or tamoxifen as kind of like a stopgap to try and stop progression or stop the growth of the, the tumor in hopes that we can eventually schedule the surgery for them to come in. So everything that I once knew about breast cancer, I feel like COVID hit and was thrown out the door. And we like I'm scared I'm working from home all the time I wear masks I barely leave my house I get like really rubbed up and angry and yell at people when they're not wearing masks um Liz I love your like Instagram stories because I'm just like yes yes that's how I feel and and then I am just so excited to talk to you about if you just want to pour your heart out and open up to us about living with someone who's been diagnosed with breast cancer and then working in an ICU unit just in terms of like timeline, I believe you were back to work before COVID hit. So one, talking about the transition back to work, and then two, working during a time of a health uh, global pandemic. Yeah, so with I children and a to- husband, like you got so much going on. <laughs> I went back to work four months after um, my um, initial surgery, um, and um, I was completed chemo about three weeks. Um, before going back. So um, I, you know, I went back to work with no hair. I went back to work looking like the patient. Mm. Um, That was challenging um, because, you know, for me working in an ICU, over 90% of my patients aren't talking to me and they're sedated and they're intubated, but their families are there and they're talking, they're asking questions and they're I was more worried about what are they thinking about me? Like, 
she looks sick. How can she get sick and then take care of my loved one? You know, like if she can't take care of herself, how can she take care of my loved one? But I have to say like the going back to work, um, the, the family members and the patients were awesome. Um, so nice and really it was not uh, like an issue. I think I made it an issue in my head initially and it was not an issue. Um, ironically, some of my coworkers were more awkward than anyone, anything. Um, you know, yeah. we have these difficult conversations about life and death and everything in between of that and every day for our patients. But when it happens to one of us, I think people don't know what to say. Um, right. It becomes general, real. It becomes real. It like becomes, it hits home. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you and, have this, it can happen to me too. Like right. Yeah. So that was challenging. People who I didn't think would be so awkward about it were incredibly awkward. Um, so that was a little hard. Um, and then also, you know, just seeing people around the hospital that I don't normally see frequently and maybe didn't know I was out sick, and then seeing them for the first time and having to talk about it. But so that was challenging. Um, so the unit I work on um, is a medical ICU. We take care of pretty much everything and anything, um, primarily respiratory failure, liver disease, renal failure, everything um, under the sun. We're also the biocontainment unit for the Northeast. So any um, special pathogen, Ebola, um, comes to us. Mm. That is us. I am on the bio threat response team. Um, so actually fairly quickly, a couple months after, after my return, we actually had a patient that was came to us to be admitted for um, a rule out for Ebola. So that was mm. like, okay, I don't know if I can go in there, you know, but I am more than help, happy to help and staff the unit, but I'm not going in that patient row. Right. Like, that kind of crossed the barrier a little if I had to go in there. So I just didn't feel comfortable with that, but I was able to help in other ways. Um, so I felt like I was safe. Um, and then when COVID hit, I'm not immunosuppressed. I, you know, I am technically back to normal in terms of my immune system. Um, and this is what I do. So this is, we take care of highly infectious diseases every day. This is a new one. And the scary part about that was we just don't know so much about it. And we're learning as we go. Um, the anxiety was incredibly high because our PPE was changing constantly, literally in the beginning, every four hours, new protocols were coming out and we were, we were having to change what we were doing mid shift. Um, when we, we were our, the first unit to get COVID patients. Um, so when we first started getting them, um, you know, kind of slowly, it wasn't the surge at the time we were like, okay, we're doing this. Like, we're going to contain them to one side of the unit. Um, so yeah, then that, that all went out the window that we filled up that <laughs> there was no containment after that. Um, and it just, it is what it is. I just, you know, we went into the rooms and I honestly through, I worked 12 60 hour weeks in a row during the surge and I felt much safer at work. I think part of me wanting to work so much was I felt safer there. I felt like I was contributing. And my work family needed me and my patients needed us to be there to staff. And I just felt better being there. 
Um, I mean, my house kind of fell apart a little. My kids' poor homeschooling went out the window a bit, but it it is what it is, and it was only for that short period of time. Um, but wow. I I felt much safer at work. And, and I know that sounds really strange because I'm all up in COVID and would come home and like immediately strip and shower and be like, okay, get all these germs off of me. But um, I had confidence in our PPE and I felt um, one big thing that we, we drill into our staff is in a pandemic and this highly infectious disease um, is you take care of yourself first. There is no running into rooms to save anyone. You take care of yourself, you put your gear on, and then you go in, no matter what is happening to that patient at that time. So that's a hard concept to to wrap your head around for, for a team that's used to like rushing into the room in an emergency and, and doing what they need to do. But for being on this BioThreat team really helped you know, prepare me for this pandemic because it's something we've trained for for five years is to get your gear on right, make take care of your coworker and worry about you, yourself first and and then take care of your patient. Thankfully, our patients were okay and there was no need to rush in for stuff, but wow. just it, it's a it is an incredibly crazy time. To, to be working and a lot of people kept asking, are you okay to go in? Can you go in? I was like, yeah, I think so. Like I'm good to go, you know, and it is what, what I do. So I just, I went in and I worked a lot. <laughs> and we thank you for that. Like a huge round of applause and like, I, I just, I, I feel a little speechless. Like honestly, the way that you articulated your, your drive, your passion your priorities like thank you thank you very much um <laughs> some of the concerns that came up when i was talking to other women with breast cancer going through this at the time of covid was you know particularly those who have metastatic breast cancer where it metastasized to the lungs with covid being a disease that affects the respiratory system there's increased concern around that um a couple of people actually responded saying, I'm not concerned about me. I'm concerned about my children, their schooling, their socialization, um, which I thought was really enlightening too, that it's not always internal that we're concerned about, but external as well. And and to your point, Liz, like you're there to help and serve. And you know, some of our community members the same. It's like, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about their development. So, you know, we're we're living in this really interesting time. I'm happy to share that a lot of our people that sorry, a lot of our people, a lot of the people in our community have been able to have surgery. Things that have been postponed have been able to slowly be rescheduled and opened up. So that's a really good sign. I remember calling you Liz when I had to go in for my Lupron shot, the the shitty shot we've been talking about all night. And I was nervous. We were talking about, should I have it sent to me by mail? And my insurance would not cover that. It was more expensive for them to mail the shot to me for me to give it to myself than to go into the hospital. And initially I was like, why would I risk my life to go to the hospital and be exposed to COVID? And to your point, I get to the hospital and it was like, I am not going to get sick here. Like they, you know, I had, um, I had to go in in advance. I had to get a COVID test in advance to make sure I didn't have any of anything. 
And then they lit- I don't know how it was at your hospital, but at my hospital, they gave me literally a green card to walk the hallways as I was going from like clinic to clinic. So that way I would not get stopped in the hallway as an intruder or visitor. But I had this green card like that I was good pass. to go. Yes, like literally a hall pass. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I call it um, at, at Mass General, it's like airport security. It looks like that down in the main lobby. And it, you have to go through like this line and you have to show your it's like show your badge show your you yeah. have like a, an electronic system covid pass show that you pet you passed your no symptoms and, <laughs> exactly yeah it's like it's like airport security yeah for sure liz i can't thank you enough for sharing in such detail and vivid imagery about what it's like not only to be diagnosed with breast cancer coming through on the other side after treatment and then working in an ICU during COVID. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing all of these great details with us and our listeners. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. As always, I hope you found this conversation inspiring and also informative as we are living through the global health pandemic of COVID. And I know I hear from so many of you that have been diagnosed with breast cancer, have gone through delays of treatments or things being postponed, and it's it's a wreck. And you know, you're not the only one going through this. This podcast is not meant to replace or substitute medical advice. Always speak with your primary care, general practitioner, oncology, medical care team, etc. And if you're looking for more information on either Breast Cancer Conversations or podcast, uh, head over to our website and nonprofit, which is survivingbreastcancer.org. You can follow our blogs, survivor stories, and all of the latest news and updates coming out of our uh, virtual patient care platform. All right, until next time, keep on thriving.